but I defended when I was in labor with him. And I didn't tell, I didn't tell anybody. I waited until they said, congratulations, Dr. Mark. Hi, everyone. Thanks for checking into the Grad Girl Wellness Podcast, a space designed to inspire and highlight the stories of women of color in graduate school who are prioritizing their overall health and wellness while pursuing higher education. My name is Angela, and I'm your host. Let's get started. Hi, Brittany. Thank you for being here on this show today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I've been running around all day, but I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> Glad to hear it. Um, so here, as you know, Gregor Wellness, we talk about uh, your experiences in grad school, wellness, and how you manage to take care of yourself. So for those who aren't familiar with you, could you start by telling us a little bit about yourself, what you studied in grad school, and when you graduated? Yes. So I studied marketing. I um, have my MBA in marketing. And this is actually, I think I'm approaching 11 years now out of my MBA program. And I also have my doctorate degree. And that was back in 2019. Okay, cool. So with that said, could you talk a little bit about your experiences with self-care and wellness as a student? So in high school, I was on like five or six different organizations. I was just like nonstop, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., go home, do homework. And I had a counselor, Miss Calloway, wrote the word fun on a post-it and slid it to me. And I was in my senior year getting ready to graduate and that was making fun for joy and happiness and fun. So that was probably something I worked on the last three months of high school, just really making sure I'm interacting with my friends, connecting with them, building those relationships. And I sort of took that concept into college with me. So in college, instead of networking, I, I call it connecting. I connected with people. You know, I got to learn with their experts expertise were, but I really made sure I developed some deeper relationships with them. So yes, I was asking them for resources, but I made sure I reciprocated. I gave them resources as well. And I still use that, that model today. So uh, I, you know, ask them, Hey, you know, what's your goals? You want to work out? I'll work out with you. You know, you like, uh, I like candles and flowers and that kind of thing. So I used to take my friends with me because it made me feel good to make sure that they were also taking care of themselves. So that's just something I think uh, started in high school, like I said, that I've just sort of tried to carry with me for the rest, for, for most of my life now. So. Now, I appreciate that story because I think a lot about how in high school, like I didn't get a lot of messaging about how to take care of myself at all. And yet everything was like prep for college, prep for college. And then you figure yeah. out your self-care later, right? And I think that's kind of where you can see a lot of folks kind of veer off track. Um, so I imagine that as you progressed in your graduate school studies and that you became a mother, your understanding of what self-care looked like may have changed. Um, oh or my goodness. Updated. What, what yeah, it's, it's like night and day now. Like the little stuff that you take for granted when you don't have kids. Like I remember going through my MBA program and like being bored sometimes. Like, oh, you know, what can I do with this hour? Now I'm like, oh, I got five minutes. And I just I just value time in a, in a much different way. Like I see I see the world just so much differently now that I have children. So I had all three of my children during my doctoral program. So I have three kids. I have a, I have twins, a boy and girl set. They're uh, 
three, almost three and a half now, and I have a two-year-old son. So I got pregnant with the twins and then had them. And like six months later, I was pregnant again. So I like, I really went through the program pregnant the whole time. So the funny story or like the funny thing is I had to start asking for help. Now I'm not, I was never, I've always been like super independent, like wanting to do everything on my own. Like I said, even in high school, I was on like five or six different organizations. I did something similar in college, always on these clubs, just filling up like all my time. Uh, even at a certain point in college, I had three jobs. So I would get up at 5 a.m. I would get back to my dorm by midnight, do a little homework for an hour and then just start all over again. So you know, when you're young, you can do that. But as we age, as we age, we start feeling it. So I just, I had to ask for help. And that was the most difficult thing for me, just calling friends, calling my parents and saying, I can't do this. Like, I don't think I can do this alone. So that, that would be my advice to people is, you know, recognize where your strengths and your weaknesses are, where you see those weaknesses, those are the things that are going to cause you those, those stressful situations. Ask people to pitch in so that you can like get your homework done so you can study for tests because otherwise you're creating unnecessary situations for yourself. Mm -hmm. No, I think that's helpful. And like this, I, because you were able to connect with those people, right? Like you talked about previously, you could now rely on them when you needed the support. Yeah, I, I think that's important. And I think a lot of, for, for me in particular, especially being a mom now, I think a lot of people just don't know how to frame the conversation because when you ask for help, you know, like your friends will come over and play with the baby, right? Like that's, that's fun, that's cute and all, but no, like I need, I used to, I used to like sit them down and say, I need legitimate help. Don't call me when that diaper needs to be changed. Change this diaper. Cause that's a, that's really like the difference between playing with a kid and like really helping out or the kid knocks something on the floor. Like, don't come get me. Like, here's the broom and the mop. Like this dish needs to be clean. And I think a lot of people are bashful and asking for that additional help, right? Like, you know, if you're if you're constantly calling me, you're not helping me, right? Like I'm constantly if I if I'm writing, I have to have a stream of time where I'm uninterrupted. And that's the thing that I think we don't communicate. So being specific about what you need from folks and what that looks like. Yeah. And that's gonna look different from for everyone. Like I don't mind having someone sit next to me while I'm working, but again, you know, you have to, you have to cater things to your specific personality. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So taking those experiences in mind about being a mother and learning to speak up for yourself about, and for what you need, how did it come to be that you started doctoral mom? Yeah, so I, my first semester, there were, or first semester, my first course, there were at least two other moms in the class with me, but they were uh, more experienced moms. Their kids were already five or 10. So, you know, I was sort of asked some questions. I wasn't a mom yet, but I was thinking about it. And I was sort of asked some questions. And then at some point we all went to our different paths, right? So then I lost them. I kind of lost them along the way. They were, they were in different disciplines, so I didn't see them. 
So I felt alone to a certain extent because yes, there were other students in my class, but there were no other moms in my class. So I'm sitting in, in courses with heating pads and I'm elevating my feet, you know, I'm, you know, trying to sneak snacks and stuff like that to make sure, you know, I'm eating appropriately. And I was just like, man, I could like really use some support. Like, I really wish there was somebody in like going through this with me. So I, I thought about doctoral mom for maybe like a year before I really launched it. And then I, two years ago, right before I graduated, I said, let me just get this thing up and see what happens. And within the first month, I had 300 members. And I said, see, like, there are really other people that need the support. And I, and, and I wish I had done it sooner, but in doing it so late, like right before I graduated, I was able to really offer people some guidance, you know, that I wish I had at the very beginning. So that was, that's really how Doctoral Mom started. It started from me wishing I had the. Mm -hmm. No, I think everything in due time, right? Oh yeah, but now it's, now it's great. Uh, and I and I will say my dissertation chair, um, uh, Dr. Shula Yarbrough, like she's amazing. She's she's a mom, and she she gave me a lot of support, and she listened to me, and I shared my goals with her. So I was very determined in saying I wanna I wanna defend my dissertation before my third child gets here. So I did. She she helped me come with a, with a realistic timeline, and we got it done. I graduated in three and a half years because I was just very focused on doing it. And I will say, I I tell everybody this story. It's my like favorite story now. But I defended when I was in labor with him, and I didn't tell I didn't tell anybody. <laughs> I waited until they said, "Congratulations, Dr. Martin." And like it's the funniest moment when I was like okay, everybody, I'm on my way to the hospital. I'm in labor. Thanks. And everyone just laughed because of course I, of course I did that. I, I didn't, I did I knew I had time. So I was like, instead of going to the hospital and waiting, I might as well just do this presentation. <laughs> so wow. That's my random story. Like that to me, I, I keep thinking about Serena Williams and how like she was pregnant with her baby. Yeah, that was incredible. I, fo I follow her whole, I love tennis. So I follow her whole story when she was going through her, uh, when, when she announced it, I was like, of course you're pregnant. I was mm -hmm. like, you just unleashed like another superpower in you. Definitely, but you were doing that, but like in academia. <laughs> I never really thought, I guess I never really thought about it because now what I did think about is all of the stigmas behind going into academia and being a mom. Like, I just remember being in my 20s and listening to people like always say, make sure you don't get pregnant or don't get in a relationship and don't do this and don't do that. And I'm like, what a lonely path they asked us to carve for ourselves. And like all these stigmas behind, you know, single moms and black moms and women of color in particular. I'm like, why can't we have all this stuff? Other people have this stuff. Why can't we be moms and be in school? Why can't we be wives and be in school or girlfriends and be in school? And I and I think that with the right support and the right funding, we can we can really do all these things. And it's just it's just a matter of time before those things really happen for more of us. Mm -hmm. That was actually one of the questions that I have for you. I wanted to know whether or not you heard you know little comments from colleagues or professors about the fact that you were 
becoming a mother in grad school? Not at this institution. Now, I, I, I will say I had a very unique experience as a, as a doctorate student, but I will say I did hear it. I hear, heard a little bit of that in undergrad and grad and not, not ever from a professor, but from the students themselves, because they haven't taught that, right? So then that stuff is like ingrained. It's like generational, like, don't make sure you don't do this because your life is over. You know, like we hear that, like even in high school, like make, don't get pregnant, your life is going to be over. And I, and I just hate that that's sort of the conversation. So we're actually, our goal, one of our goals is to go into junior colleges and educate young girls and just say, your life won't be over. You know, you choose your path. You know, if you want to be a mom, if you want to have a career and be in school, there are ways to do this. And this is how you do it without creating stress for yourself. So that's, that's really one of my big things. And I went to my, with my doctorate program, a lot of them were older students. And I, I had the advantage of, I worked at my institution prior to enrolling there. So I knew most of the staff members. So I knew that they would support me too if I, I shared that information. And I, I did want to say this, because this is something that always comes up for me. Like people ask me about this. Was I afraid to say something? No, I wasn't afraid to say anything at my school or my job. And I'm going to tell you why. Because then you create protections for yourself, right? So if I tell my employer, I'm now, now I'm protected, right? By all these laws and regulations. Now you can't terminate me just because I'm pregnant. So I think people don't think about those sort of things. They try to hold it and hide it. Say something, because the earlier you say something, the more you can say like, well, I was late because of this, or this, maybe this didn't get done because of that. And it's true. Like, it could be true. Maybe you're tired. Maybe you're you know, dealing with something, but create some protections for yourself or even with your classes, say, can I have an extension? You know, can I have, can I do a, a take a leave of absence? Like use those resources so that you can get through your program. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's really helpful to know, right? You can document these things. <laughs> yeah, and, and you don't fail because you wait or delay something. It's just, you delayed it. You'll, you'll do it, but your family, your children, those are their priorities now. For sure, for sure. No, I think that's helpful. I was gonna ask you if you had any like tips or suggestions um, to current doctoral moms. And I think you <laughs> offered just, some already. Just say something, ask for help. That's always my thing, ask for help and, and say something, protect yourself. Cause I, I think that's more important than anything else because we forget to do those things. We forget to communicate sometimes. You can't be superwoman alone. Like, I'm pretty sure there's other people on the Justice League or whatever, you know. Right. <laughs> right. Um, okay, so another another question I have for you is, are there, would you say that there's any benefits to being a mother in graduate school? I know in anthropology, for us, like when we go out into the field, a lot of us say like, oh, you know, I have my daughter with me. People were more welcoming to me. People, you know, offer me to go to their house and this helped my research because I had this child. So I was curious, like, if you had any similar thoughts or experiences? Yeah, I feel like people, people were more gracious to me to a certain extent. Like I would say, I'm tired. Like I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant with twins. I'm eight months in here. And I, 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 I didn't, I didn't use it as a crutch, you know, cause I still, you know, I felt competitive. I still wanted to excel, but I, I remember having a night where I was just exhausted. Like 
I, you know, I did everything I could to sleep and get my energy up and I just didn't have it. And I, I just honestly called my professor. He had a cell phone number on the syllabus and I called him and I just said, I just don't have it in me. Like I, I'm like two sentences away from hitting this, this, uh, this word, you know, requirement. I said, I just don't have it in me. And he says, you know what? I'm a dad and I totally get it. I'm gonna give you an extension and, you know, just make sure you have it in there by, you know, 8 a.m. or something like that. Cause I know you're probably gonna stay up. It's just, I understand that you may be dealing with something right now. And I probably did that two or three times throughout my program. And I, and I think that sometimes we discount fathers too as moms, but I've gotten some of my best advice from fathers. I will say I've, I've gotten some really good advice from fathers and you'd be surprised uh, who helps you along the way. So. Oh, I think that's a really interesting one. I hadn't thought about fathers at all. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, it also kind of sounds like it, you know, going through this process in graduate school kind of helps to humanize you in a way that maybe as like single folks that, that we, we don't think about ourselves that way. We're just like a student, like I gotta get it done, like no excuses, right? Um, but you have well, to consider other folks. You have to consider your babies, right? <laughs> Yeah, and and even okay. So I the first year of school, I wasn't a mom. I wasn't even in a, a relationship yet. Like I was thinking about it, but I wasn't there. And I just I just remember there were times where I was still kind of looking at my parents like, "Can you feed me?" Like I like I'm a you know I would say I'm a daddy's girl and I'm a mom's girl. Like I'm both. They would have plates of food and I'd be eyeing it like, you know, can I have some of that? Because you, I mean. You, you don't, you don't necessarily need people to, to take care of you, but my goodness, like how good does it feel to be able to call somebody and say like, you know, can you cook or can you keep me company? That was, that was my big thing. Like, can you keep me company? Can you sit, you can watch a movie, do whatever you want to, but having that energy, energy for me is just really important. So yeah, no, I'm writing my dissertation right now and I just want somebody to sit. Yes. <laughs> Well, we're going to have some uh, dissertation groups soon. We're going to uh, open up Zooms and play music and just, it'll just be like a co-op space where you can come and just vibe with people, like chat with them. Like, hey, are you, are you qualitative or quantitative? I'm very, very qualitative. <laughs> yes, I'm also a quality, hence the interviews, but <laughs> yeah. I think, um, I think that that's, it's always great to be able to ask people questions, right? And just say, what do you think about this? And I, I want to provide that space to people, even outside of their institution. Because that, that's the other advice that I'll, I have with people is don't take it personally when you get edits back or you get rejected by IRB or anything like that. Like that's a part of the, that's a part of the learning curve. Like it's okay. It's okay. Like it, it, it may feel like your process is delayed, but a lot of that stuff is for your protection too. Mm -hmm. So the thing that I did was I asked recent graduates to let me read their dissertations. Like people who had recently graduated from the schools or maybe people who had the same chair that I did. Cause I wanted to learn in advance, like what I needed to anticipate that'll save you a lot of trouble too. Even your library probably has a uh, catalog full of all of the dissertations from the institution. So ask for those things so that you can get an idea of how to write chapter three or how to write chapter four. Those, those are gonna be very helpful for you.
Definitely. No, I actually, I have three that I actually printed and got bounded, like three people that I yes. really love their work. And I was just like, okay, this is how I map this out. And this is what I want my yeah. to look like. Or ask for it. So a lot of people, like, I'm so, I feel like I'm a cheap person. Like, I always find, like, free ways to do stuff. Now, mm -hmm. I'll tell you, I took all my dissertation, or not my, I took all of my interviews. I edited them together. And Timmy had, like, this thing where it's like, we'll do one, one transcription for you for free. And I was like, well, I'm going to throw all of this in here at once and see if <laughs> and it worked. So I got all of my interviews transcribed at one time. And then I was like, well, I only got two weeks to do this analysis because in vivo only has a two week trial. Mm -hmm. So I did that. <laughs> and then I, I got I got probably wrote my chapter four and five within like two and a half weeks just because I was like, I'm not paying for this stuff. I stayed up and just got it done. Listen. That's how you get stuff done. <laughs> but that's so cheap too, though. But I was just like, I don't, don't want to pay for this stuff. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just write it and get feed. And, and the feedback was fine. Like, it was just like, change this, change this. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's fine. Now I don't have to go back into those programs. Yes, because those licenses are expensive. Yes, they, they are. Expire. Yeah, but people don't even check, like, check with your institution. They probably have a license to that stuff or actually ask your professors, even if it's professors you haven't talked to in a year or two, ask them. They probably have a license too. That's true. That's true. See, again, asking for what you need, right? Yes, <laughs> always ask. <laughs> for sure. Okay, so this this was really insightful. We talked about money management. We talked about being a mother. We talked about relationships and connecting. Um, so I want to move us into the lightning round, where you just say the first thing that comes to your head. Um, and oh these are gonna be that's dangerous. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and these are going to be specific to being a doctoral mom. So here goes the first. Okay. If you so you want a word or a phrase? Let me prep myself. Let's go with word, but sometimes people, you know, they get on a roll and I'm like, okay, you know, the thunderstorm. As opposed I'm going to try to be concise. We're going to see what happens. <laughs> All right. Here's the first one. What are three uh -huh. words? Huh? Oh, no, I'm with you. Okay. So what are three words to describe wellness as a doctoral mother in graduate school? Balance, determination, and let's go with support. Those are great. All right, uh, number two, what are two invaluable resources that helped you as a mother in graduate school? Family and friends. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and lastly, what is one piece of advice that you would give to uh, current doctoral mothers? Oh, goodness. That has to be a phrase. Um, I will say, look for other doctoral moms to connect with. You are not alone. Beautiful. That was good. <laughs> All right. um, so, Brittany, if more people want to join the community of Doctoral Mom Incorporated, how can they do that? Yes, yeah, so we have a Facebook group right now, but we're going to start using other platforms to help you like really, really connect with each other. So go to 
uh, Facebook, look for doc the Doctoral Mom Group. We also have a website, which is doctoralmom.com, where you can actually go in there and find some resources. We did start a scholarship fund. So we gave away three scholarships this month. Uh, we gave one away on Mother's Day, and then we gave two away, which was like my personal donation to the organization. So those, those last two scholarships, uh, they were from me. We had such a good pool of applicants that it, it was just hard. It was very hard not to issue a couple more. So um, look for those once a month. We are gonna try to give a scholarship away once a month and we're looking for additional funding so we could really, really provide support. Because you'd be surprised um, how much, um, not just moms, but women in particular need additional funding. So we're, we're doing everything we can to, to fundraise right now. Awesome. Well, I appreciate the work that you're doing and I wish you much success in the future. Oh, you're so nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I have for you on this episode. I hope that you heard something that inspires you along your wellness journey. And if so, share it with a friend. Until next time, take care.